opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights, and you are tuned in to Good Morning Market, where everyday businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategy. Happy Monday, everybody, at least for those of you who are listening on a Monday, new week, entering the, the very end of Q1 come a long way in this podcast series. In fact, in this marketing program marathon in which we've been with each other for the entirety of 2022 thus far, we've now concluded it. So want to spend some time reflecting uh, on all the data that we had to digest. Um, let's let's do some kind of bullet point reflections and, and see, and now we're entering Q2, the rest of 2022. Uh, what are some of the key takeaways that we should really be focusing on in making this year and this marketing program, this marketing plan, the best ever? But before we get to that, let's talk about what's happened in the economy and your business world this past week. All right, everybody, we got three pieces of news to cover in this week's market roundup. First two, let's talk energy. First one coming from Wall Street Journal title or headline, gas prices shoot up at fastest rate on record. As summer driving season approaches, average prices for regular gasoline have been at record highs in the past two weeks after going up for 11 straight weeks. Prices reached $4.32 a gallon on March 14. According to weekly figures from the U.S. Energy Information Administration, they were $4.24 this past week, according to figures released on Monday. Speaking of energy, on a slightly related note, coming from CNBC headline, European Union strikes gas deal with the U.S. as it seeks to cut its reliance on Russia. A couple points from that article. U.S. President Joe Biden and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen announced the formation of a joint task force to bolster energy security for Ukraine and the European Union for next winter and the following one. The primary goals of the task force, the U.S. and the EU said in a joint statement, would be to diversify LNG, meaning uh, natural gas supplies, in alignment with climate objectives and reduce demand for natural gas. And finally, it comes amid heightened concern that energy importing countries continue to top up President Vladimir Putin's war chest with oil and gas revenue on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, over the past decade, it, it's over 40% of Russia's annual budget has come from revenues from exporting their oil. So that is what the EU, EU and the U.S. is trying to counter with that. One more piece of news from, from Wall Street Journal. Powell, as in Fed uh, Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, says the Fed will consider more aggressive interest rate increases to reduce inflation. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said the central banks was prepared to raise interest rates in half percentage point steps and high enough to deliberately slow the economy if it concludes such steps were warranted to bring down inflation. Quote, if we think it's appropriate to raise by half a point at a meeting or meetings, we will do so, end quote, Mr. P Powell said during a moderated discussion after a speech on Monday before the National Association for Business Economics in Washington, D.C. Mr. Powell's remarks struck a tougher tone than he used just days earlier in a press conference after the Fed voted to raise its benchmark rate by a quarter point and he signaled a stronger bias towards lifting rates until the central bank sees clear evidence that inflation is falling to its 2% target. And that is your market roundup for this past week.
been pretty much the entire uh, year so far that we've been in this marketing program marathon. The vision, once again, for us here on Good Morning Market was to, if not go soup to nuts, just be able to cover a lot of different aspects of different tactics, programs, channels, approaches that you know have the marketing sticker on it. And how do we consider all of those and consider where it might fit within your marketing program? But then also, uh, also, what are some considerations that you can make to up your game when it comes to that strategy? So it's been a lot of fun. I got to talk to so many awesome experts in their respective fields. And so not to belabor the point anymore, let's get right into you know, what we were able to learn. And these are just, you know, my, these are just my personal reflections. Uh, I'm really kind of going like what stuck with me so far. I didn't go back and do a deep dive into each of the episodes. I'm just sitting here raw, sitting here now on this week of Good Morning Market. What really stuck with me and what can I share with y'all? And y'all may have different takeaways, but the cool thing is, is that podcasts left forever. So you can always go back to that episode if you want to listen to that episode in full. But let's think about you know these different, uh, I think it was 12 episodes or 11 episodes, and then this is the wrap up. Let's think, you know, uh, what are some of the key takeaways to kind of refresh our memory as we're reviewing where we're at so far in the year with our marketing program? How can we make it better? So to kick things off, I thought it, it, you couldn't go any better uh, than starting with talking about your core brand. And um, I say that as a guy who's really big into understanding the customer, the customer is really important, but I think you first have to know who you are and what you're about and what kind of image you want to establish before you you get to the next step, which would be the other side of that dancing party, which would be your, your tango partner, your customer. And Sandy Prosnitz from Logo Goods brought in some great resources, kicked the whole thing off with a bang. Uh, and she talked a lot because she can talk to a lot of different aspects of marketing with what she does in promotional products and to what she does in logo design and branding. A couple things stuck with me when it came to what Sandy was talking to us about when it comes to the core brand. Number one is just to understand that your brand is super important. And she saw, she sees, and many of us see too often, people just feel like they have to have some kind of logo or they have to have some kind of brand and they just don't think it through or they'll get you know, you know an, an inexpensive or even a free logo maker and it just sets a bad first impression. Okay, you need to take your brand seriously. You need to be consistent with your brand because your brand is a first impression. Your brand is a reflection of you and your company Take it seriously, make sure it's well thought out, and it reflects the image that you want to put out there because that is so important. And then the other thing was is you do need to, especially if you're an existing company and you're perhaps needing to evaluate your brand strength, is understand your target market, you know, your customer base, whomever, when you're understanding what your brand is about in order to make that connection, that unique connection, you're, you're vibing, right? She's, she said over and over, your vibe attracts your tribe. And the cool thing that I remember her talking about is her being a Gen Xer growing up in the MTV era. She was at a, 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 a convention, a trade show, and she goes to this one uh this one table and she just found herself attracted to that table and because she saw 
this unique kind of pop color kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, and when she talked with him, she's like, oh, these guys are doing this on purpose. Their target market is me, really. And so they have this kind of MV, MTV kind of vibe and it naturally attracted her. So that's another thing where you can go next level beyond what these other guys are doing when it comes to your core brand. Not only do you take it seriously because you understand what it does, but then you also can keep your target market in mind and designing something that makes a connection with those guys, which is the next level kind of thing. So then we went into a couple different episodes where we're we're understanding the other side of that coin. And there's us and then there's the customer. First part I covered with us profiling your ideal customer. So knowing who your ideal customer is. Uh, and I went into a lot of different angles on that. But what main thing I want you to remember from that discussion is everything evolves around your niche ideal customer. This is not a marketing tactic. This is the core of your business. This is the foundation of your business is understanding who your unique ideal customer is. The more specific, the better. The more niche, the better in today's market of markets. And then you're building your entire company around them. So it really is not so much a marketing discussion as it is what we call big M marketing, which impacts every single department, every single person exists and is hired and makes money to service an ideal niche specific type of person. Moreover, their circumstances and their problem, and then what is your solution to those circumstances and that unique problem? You know, all the other data is cool, um, but the more specific you can be and the more specific you can uh, data that you can get about their unique problem, which you solve in a unique way, their circumstances, the better off you are. Of course, finding it is the secret sauce, right? That's the, that's the key here to... Uh, to actually being able to know that so then you can solve their problem in unique ways and be the leader in your market and make lots of money, right? So if you're an existing business, your job is easier. If you're a new business, your job is harder and you just have to go through that journey and you have to test and measure and pivot as you start to go through the journey. But for the existing businesses, remember always start with your first party data, start with what you got in house, evaluate that in depth. Then when you find that you have gaps and you will inevitably have some kind of gaps, that's when you could, for example, do some one-on-one interviews uh, according to a plan to address the data gaps in order to build out that proper profile of your ideal customer. For the new business, you know, I think it's a combination of going with what you know, you know, what your background is, who your network is, who your natural tribe is, going with that first, um, also having a vision of who you want your ideal customer to be, and you start walking down that road while also understanding, you know, what people are dealing with now. So you have to evaluate the, ma- the, the, the marketplace before you come in and add your stuff. Look for gaps and opportunities within someone has a problem that's not getting addressed by the market as it is because you have identified strengths and weaknesses and you see through a SWOT analysis, for example, there's this gap getting not getting addressed and I can do better, right? So that, that's part of this, the process there. We've gone through that. Okay, so we know who um, our, our who we are and our core brand and what we're trying to establish is. Then we also know our I- ideal customer. We, we've got a, a pretty good read on them. That's when you can go to building the plan. Now we can talk about strategy and plans and objectives and timelines and budgets and all that cool stuff. A couple of different things I wanted y'all to remember, and yes, I did this episode as well. That was episode three, is a couple of quotes I actually had from the first season of, of Good Morning Market. Je- Jesse Colf, Savannah Bananas owner, He said one thing that still sticks out to me. He says, most companies think of revenue in terms of the next quarter. What's our revenue goal going to be? What kind of money are we going to make the next quarter? Not in terms of quarter century. We have this super, super, super 
myopic right in front of our faces the next quarter the next month kind of focus and i think that if you if you push out that vision further and further not like you know to the end of your life but further out than the next quarter or even the next year that helps you understand how an annual plan or how strategy fits into the larger vision and i think that is important jess belfry uh, another one from Score um, talked about that. Think about, you know, in terms of what's important, you're trying to think about what deserves your attention and what you should be getting anxious about and what really isn't that big of a deal in, in all in all is you need to think about where you want to be in five years. And I say that um, a, a, as really being helpful if you really think about the vision over the next five years, for example, then when you go to make your one-year plan, and it's best to have a plan, right? If A plan without the execution is no good, but at the same time, if you're just out there trying stuff and reacting to stuff because you don't have the plan, then that's almost as bad, right? So it's not good to go half-cocked or half-baked, just like it's not good to have paralysis by analysis and never execute your plans. So anyways, yes, have a marketing plan. Um, you know, you want to have your goals, and all of us are usually good about coming up with goals and wishes, but, you know, if a goal without a plan is just a wish. So think longer term. Think about how year one fits into that. Make the plan there, and you can go from objectives to strategy to the different initiatives, which are going to be your big oomphs to get to the objectives. Then you can talk about what's realistic and, and a smart goal through budget, timeline, channels, that whole stuff you know um, it does not have to be rocket science you don't have to spend weeks on this thing but if you have a plan even if it's one page or two pages that goes a long long way to helping you stay on track so then we went from more of the strategy side of the house the core marketing top level business strategy stuff then we started going down into these different channels and, 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 and discussing what we marketers are are, are dealing with every day regardless of whether or not we're really into it and i thought no better place to start in today's day than talk about website marketing so i was able to speak with liz saxton the founder president of southern marketing team had a long discussion about design side of web of websites the 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 function and navigation and user friendliness of websites and we talked about a little bit about the advertising at the end so a very very robust episode Two things that really stuck out to me that I want to relate to y'all is number one, websites are first impressions. And that was something that's, that that Liz really hammered home for us. You gotta make sure that your site is accurate and branded. You can't have your Facebook look like this, but then your website look like that, okay? Or the same thing with your billboard or, or your, your office building. Everything needs to be aligned up. Your website is a first impression. If you have a bad first impression, that's really gonna work against you in growing your business. When it comes to design, make sure it's branded, make sure it's consistent, make sure it looks professional. Everybody's got a website, but a lot of them are crap. Let's just call it like it is. You don't have to have you know, a $15,000 website. Liz made sure to make that point to us that you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars. You don't, but um, however much money or whoever you get to do the job, it needs to look professional. It is a first impression. It needs to be branding, and, and, and the branding uh, needs to be consistent with the rest of your business. Then the next thing that I really gravitated towards was think of the user experience. And this actually made me took another look at what my website. I'm still working on some improvements to my website along the lines of this conversation with Liz. Is when you think about navigation, you have to really think like the user. Someone comes to HTTPS, you know, uh, forward slash forward slash mywebsite.com. What do you want them to do? What do you want them to see? How do you want them to go to from A to B to C to being your customer, right? You have to think that out because too many of us are doing these cookie cutter template websites and we're not really customizing the user experience based off of how we want them to flow from checking out our website on a whim to 
building some kind of connection. What is the call to re- a call to action? You know, how do you want them to flow from the home page to the next page, to the next page? If you think through that, and you just and it doesn't take days and days or weeks and weeks. It takes, in some cases, hours to really think about that. Then you can design your website according to how that 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 user experience needs to flow in the navigation. And you're going to have much higher conversions where your website is much more than just a digital business card. It's going to be a revenue uh, generating machine for you because it actually works intuitively with the way the user wants to experience your site. So sticking with the digital, we then went from uh, the website side of the house, we went to one of its sisters, which is social media. And and Liz even talked about how these days, that's kind of like the next generation beyond SEO is having this seamless flow from your, your, your rented media channels like social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Uh, to your your own channels like your website. So let's, we talked with Jillian Rowe, who is the uh, the CEO of SMG Ad and Film. Uh, we got to talk about a lot of stuff pertaining to social media, and she's a guru, she's a whiz. Um, really enjoyed that conversation. A couple of things that really stood out to me, um, and she made these points quite profoundly. Number one is you need to just, and I do it too. I've done it in the past. We need to just stop throwing stuff at the wall and see what it see what sticks. Like, well, let's throw this, you know, Facebook ad out there. Boost this and see what happens. You need to build an entire flow of how your how your systems work, how the the flows from this this post to this post to this call to action to this link and back and retargeting. What, however robust or simple it is, if, if social media is part of how you generate new leads or, or generate new audience, if you don't have it drawn out on a piece of paper, like Jillian said, pull it out a piece of paper, draw it out, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that's how my social media flow works. That's why you're going to continue to have this frustration with these different social media channels where you just put up organic content and there's no plan in it and guess what you get the results of not having a plan and once again we all need to get better about this but the more you can have it written out in terms of a flow a system as it were the better results you're going to have uh, all in all in social media said is don't don't quit <laughs> when it comes to social media if social media is part of your your system I mean it, it is a volume thing it is definitely a numbers game in terms of a volumes game uh, and oftentimes people will just give up when they're really kind of at the threshold of really hitting the next level in terms of building the audience the engagement the followers all that cool stuff and it takes time, but oftentimes, you know, people have spent so much fuel getting the jet off the ground, then they just turn off the gas, and the plane crashes, and you have to start all over again. So once again, Jillian, like she said, uh, number one is have that entire system built out. Number two, don't give up. You have to keep on being consistent with your social media, and you will hit that breakthrough. You just got to be smart and consistent with it. Don't give up. So then uh, we made a pivot away from the digital and went old school. 
which I really liked, and especially living in the market in which I live, uh, the Savannah metro area. Um, you know, the joke was, and Marianne confirmed this that it's like it, 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 it's a it's a you know pretty good sized little city. Um, it, it it you know she's mentioned the joke that Savannah can be compared to a, a big high school, and here's the thing is. You know, if you show up and you continue to show your face, you go to events, but then also there's opportunities to host events. If you do that, Savannah will get behind you. Uh, and a lot of markets are like this in terms of the small business communities. You know, if if you're present, you're top of mind, like Courtney Rollins said in the previous episode, when you're showing up to stuff, people will get behind you because they see that you're not just passing through. You're you're working hard and you're cutting your teeth and you're paying your dues to be a part of the community. Now, when you, when you uh, and she said, yeah, Savannah's behind you unless you screw them, then hey, then the exact opposite is, is the truth. But anyways, she talked about, because I was like, okay, I, I do a lot of networking, but what happens if you want to host events? And that's part of your marketing program to achieve, you know, growth. She said, the main thing she said is, is she sees too many businesses just throwing events together. Oh, they'll throw it up on Facebook. Of course, everybody will see it. And, you know, we'll have some some little stuff here and there. And, you know, everybody will show up and they have these kind of delusions of grandeur. Uh, you know, we've all been there. She said the details matter. So here's the thing is if you're going to do an event or an event marketing is part of your ongoing strategy, the details matter. Oh, it talks, you know, she talked about showing up to stuff and promoting your event by showing up to stuff. Guess what? The kind of people who show up to other events are probably the kind of people that would show up to your event. Okay, having physical invitations, have something to, that looks like an invitation because it is invitation. You're actually directly inviting them instead of just putting out a social media flyer or sending out an email blast. Not that those, you shouldn't be doing those. It's just that if you want to go next level and you really want to have a good turnout, the physical invitations can make a difference. You also got to think about the details of the day of the week and the time of the day. She works with businesses when they have the wisdom to seek someone like her out who really understands the flows and what happens when. So then you can have the best opportunity uh, to have a good turnout or timing it within the day to where you don't give people time to go home and get settled in and lazy and they don't want to go put their pants on again and go out to your event because they, you know, the time of day and what your event is. All these different details matter. Having the gift bags for the event, sending thank yous after the event, the little touches will make people remember you, which I'm thinking is, should be. What you're trying to do when you're when you're being this event host is you're trying to make impressions, build connections, find customers, build evangelists and ambassadors for your brand, and build that word of mouth buzz, the reputation. All that stuff can happen if you're mining the details. So that was something that was really fun to discuss with Marianne Gannon Popple from Savannah Master Calendar. After talking about that, we stayed kind of old school. That the the old old school person-to-person touch of promotional products and promotional marketing. Got to speak with Diana Morrison, uh, longtime marketing uh, you know, cornerstone in this community of ad specialty services. And we had a long, very fun conversation. Two things that stuck out with me from that conversation about promotional products, promotional marketing. Number one is don't push products or swag, and I think that's what most of us tend to do. If you want to do get some pins and some mugs, we grab some pins and some mugs, and we make order, and we start just pushing it out to everybody. She had a whole different mindset in terms of the way you think about this, which then makes everything different, really. It makes your entire approach differently. You give thoughtful gifts. Don't push out swag or products or, hey, take a pin. 
Think of who your customers are. Think about what they would appreciate. Think about something you could give them that would be a gift, would be seen as a gift, and they would actually like to have that thing, would use that thing. That is how you get the outcome of what most people just quickly will dream about when it comes to promotional marketing is making those long-term impressions, surprising someone with something they would actually love to have, and they're like, wow, and that makes a memory, that makes an impression, that that gains you points, okay? Not just to gain points, but because you're actually trying to build a relationship and report, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we even talked about it in, in at large that you know, this merchandising promotional marketing is a great strategy just within the culture of America because Americans... We love to brag about and rep our favorite brands. We need to give a reason, uh, give our customers a reason to do that by number one, being an awesome company and taking care of your people. But then also when it comes to the products or the leave behinds that you send their way to make sure it's quality and it's thoughtful and it's tailored to them so then it's something that they're going to want to wear and then boom, that's free marketing essentially like what I talked about with Jesse Cole and what they've done at the Savannah Bananas when it comes to merchandising. Very powerful potential right there. So then we go into uh, kind of blending the digital and the first part of this series with the traditional uh, and the latter parts episodes. We went into, I uh, believe it was episode eight, potentially. It was Lauren Wolverton from Connect Savannah. Got to speak with Lauren about multimedia. And we really just covered a lot of bases there because that's exactly what media companies are these days. Connect Savannah is a media company. We're talking events. We're talking the actual magazine. We're talking the podcast. We're talking the website. A lot of different bases covered by a media company. And we talk a lot in in today's marketing world about how we, if we want to use marketing to actually gain revenue and, and profit growth, you have to run a marketing program more like a media company. What did Lauren say? It's all about the story. Surprise, surprise, shouldn't be. It's all about the story. If you have a story and you push it out into media outlets, for example, like Connect Savannah, okay, if there's a story and there's an angle and you've got good content, you've got the images, you've got all that cool stuff, that's how your stuff gets circulated and gets put in media. Otherwise, that's cool, you know, but it sounds like it's time for an advertisement. If you just got to get your message out there, but there's not really a story angle for the audience, which is the responsibility of these media companies to make sure that everything is a worthwhile story that they put in front of their, their readership or their audience, then it's time for an advertisement, okay? So that's one thing that she brought up. The other thing is, you know, it, she she kind of talked about the other side of the corner as we start to get bigger and more robust in marketing. As I still stand by some of what I talked about with some of the digital marketing gurus is that fewer channels executed very well are much better than more channels executed me- mediocrely. But, but... The great thing about multimedia is they're extremely fast and they're extremely versatile because they're in multiple channels at one time. So if you do have the bandwidth to properly execute multiple, multiple social media channels, plus you know a YouTube or a podcast, plus physical media, plus events, great. That just means you're that much more powerful, you're that much more current, you're that much faster than everybody else, and you provide that much more value and delight to your audience. So do it as long as you can do it correctly. Let's go to the home stretch. Then we kind of took a turn to talk more about the content through th- that you push through the channels. The two most prevalent being video and photography. So I brought in two experts in these fields. One, when I was talking video, I talked with Jim Wacker of Skyway Pictures, longtime producer of over 20 years working in both Hollywood type film, but also corporate video productions. He does a lot on the Hollywood side, but then he also does stuff with commercial development and then brand stories. Um, He talked about videos and their unique 
power to build a connection, right? It Outside of the actual face-to-face, a video in many ways is the next best thing because it connects all these different senses in one way. And as Jim said, it can build rapport with that good storytelling. Good storytelling is paramount, but if you're doing that right and you have good quality video production, which is easier and easier these days, you can build that rapport in order to to build a connection and actually build trust, right? So if you get a brand vision and you execute it well and you put it on your own media and your rented media, not everybody can meet you and, sh- and get to know you face-to-face, but if they, if they see that you have a story to tell and that you take yourself seriously and you make a quality brand story that you put on your website, when people are doing their own research, which everybody likes to do, that's what makes you a cut above. That make, That's what makes the cream rise to the top is that you take yourself seriously and through the medium of video, you can tell that story and build some rapport and trust that can get you farther down the road than your competition, for example. Then we went to a little bit more traditional, but something that's extremely versatile and very powerful to use in a lot of different ways, which would be photography. So Bunny Ware um, is, you know, she, she, everybody knows Bunny Ware in the Savannah market, but she talks about how she does all kinds of stuff. She does, she does videos. She does, you know, all kinds of stuff. She does a drone footage. She does a photography, but most people know her as when she, she goes to a ton of events, she does the photography and then she blasts it out through media because she's so connected in local media. That's important. And two things that she talked about that a lot of businesses fail to do, but the businesses who are doing it, especially when it comes to a hyper-local focus, it can really make you rise to the top because you're top of mind with everybody, is documenting what you do. It's not about you. We don't always feel like pulling out the camera and taking the picture and tagging people and posting it and sharing it and putting it out in a press release. That's called work, okay? And it's very, very tedious, especially if you're already doing like what I do and you're already going to a bunch of events to then on top of that have to take the time to document it and then blast it into the digital sphere, a lot of work. Nevertheless, that extra work pays off because as Bunny Ware said at one event that she went to, y'all need to take this picture that I'm sending off to connect. You need to tag yourself in it. You need to share it within your personal networks. Otherwise, it did not happen. That's the mentality you have to take and that's where you basically double, triple the power of your your events or your showing up and networking is when you can then document it in the digital sphere and then push it out to media. She also mentioned, hey, you got to use you know press, social media connections to document what you're doing. So once again, the more channels you can disperse that the image to, the more impressions that you make, et cetera, et cetera, down the road with branding and connections and, and trust and all that good stuff. So finally, we've done all of that stuff in terms of channels and content and strategies. The question becomes, how do you keep this accountable? Because all this stuff costs money and time. And that's why I brought in Zeke Coleman, longtime data data marketing you know, uh, expert, worked with Visit for Savannah for a long time, now works with a really big company out in California called Adara. And he talked about the data-driven approach to marketing. It's the way the world is, like he said. So you can ignore it, and then you go the way of Blockbuster, like he said. But the thing is, is it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be you know, a data scientist to use a data-driven approach to marketing, to hold your marketing efforts accountable, to keep track of stuff. It could start with something as simple as taking inventory of your first-party data. Look at what data you have across all your different systems. What do you have, and what do you still need to know? To know your customer, or to... Know what's going on with your marketing program. You know, to, to know whatever you need to know. But if you can just take inventory of your first-party data, you organize that, you keep refreshing that, 
that is becoming increasingly more valuable to businesses of all size because of, for example, some of the privacy changes that are happening within the marketing sphere, the marketing apocalypse, as some people are calling it, that's making it harder and harder to use other people's uh, data to just set these marketing campaigns that way. So the more you can have the first-party data, the more ahead of the game you are, and the more data-driven you can be because, once again, it's the objective way to make investments with precious time and money as opposed to the subjective gut instinct way which oftentimes is going to burn just as much cash as it produces so all that to say that is that is a whirlwind of 11 different topics and and i think it was nine different experts to talk about all these things involved in the marketing so now balls in your court what are you going to do with that information That concludes today's episode. That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all have a great, productive, fun week. Don't forget to get the newsletter. That's the Good Morning Market newsletter. You can subscribe on soulinsights.com. So now we need to talk about what's next. We've been here the entire year. What, what What's next, Philip? Well, it's a surprise. I'm still in the lab getting all of the production stuff lined up, the interviews. I already know what we're going to do, but I'm not quite ready to release it. Moreover, I'm going to be out of town uh, part of next week on some vacation going to the Big Apple. And so, that said, uh, not even sure that we're going to have an episode drop next week. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm really excited about this kind of more industry-specific way that we're going to take different angles on a specific industry and, and what it's experiencing through 2022, which I think that we can all glean insights from and kind of understand what's going on in the small business world as well as the economy at large and also gather marketing strategy tips. So I think you're really going to like it, but I can't quite announce it yet. In the meantime, please like, subscribe, share a good morning market. Thank you for being awesome as part of this community. And remember, in order to lead your market, you must first hear and know your market. <laughs>